With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, uh, we are back on the Anonymous Eagle podcast. Um, a, a, a somber edition that I'm not quite sure where it'll all go. Um, it, it, it could go a number of different directions um, it, and a lot of different um, things will be touched on, I'd imagine. Um, but yeah, obviously, uh, we're here um, at this juncture uh, to discuss the, well, devastating uh, Monday news um, that both the Hauser brothers are leaving Marquette. Um, our, and we'll get into this, I guess, at some point, are potentially going to Madison, um, although that's a lot less um, concrete at this stage. But they're gone, um, and it's it's not good. no, it's, it's not, not what you, good. It's not what I you, was trying to quantify what you it want. with that pause, and I was thinking of like how to how to quantify it. I think I would say it's the most um, it's the worst thing that's happened to Marquette since Steve Wojciechowski's become coach. Um, and that's not an indictment on Steve Wojnarowski no, being the head saying. coach. I'm just saying. <laughs> but yeah, since since Buzz, since Buzz uh, right. Williams left us sort of with literally nothing um, and ran off to Virginia Tech, Correct. this is probably the it's the, it's the low yeah, point. You're it's right. the low point of the Steve Wojciechowski era right now. I would say is what, Which, is what, is what I'm describing yeah. it as. Um, Which is what none of us would have expected this time last week. No, not at all. Um, and, you know, it's it's not the low point, obviously, from the standpoint of the cupboard being bare. I mean, the team is still as talented um, as it's been, or close to as talented as it's been um, from a roster standpoint. But I think it's just the overall implications of what Monday's news means um, that makes it the low point. Um, Sam, do you want to share before we start really analyzing it, uh, how you experienced, uh, Monday's news? Well, um, so the, the fearless leader of anonymous Eagle had posted in our group chat, a, uh, a tweet saying, um, and I don't know the Twitter user's name, but was they it had the a random donk Providence fan. No, oh, it was yeah. not the Providence fan, yeah. which I don't know where he that heard it. That was wild, must... by the way, is that that Providence fan yeah. who, like, was hitting up... Like, 11 followers tweet tweets at Barstool accounts all yeah. the time. Like was hitting up Rothstein for, like, yeah. John, confirm this for me. It yeah, was, and you're like, it, what it is happening? It was just like, holy crap, that's such a random... Um, looking back on it, the fact that that came out and then, like, three hours later it was legit is wild because I think at the time when we saw all that, it was like, okay, there's some unrest in the program, but this is kind of a ridiculous um, 
situation. Yeah, I mean, I the only thing I've heard besides this, so the, this this tweet was shared with us in our group chat. Um, a Marquette fan was like, you know, it's a Monday. Things are only going to get worse before they get better. Um, and we were all sort of like, what, what, what's get, what's this guy getting at? Um, and I will be the first to admit that I do not follow MU scoop whatsoever, except to jump on it at random times and laugh at people. Yeah, I, I was gonna say, I, I, I think it's a, it's a bit of a, it's a bit much of a website sometimes. It's kind of like the, um, it's the sunken place of Marquette basketball fandom. It's like where, where Marquette fans worst in impulses live and breathe um because it's all just like rampant speculation um panic uh all the time that kind of stuff Well, it's it's an old school message board right that's what it is well i mean and that's what those are so yeah which is fine and i mean like obviously there are people there that really do care about the market program and really do have good connections to the program and have good insight on the program. There's just also a lot of people that don't, but apparently it had been kicking around scoop for a day or so before that. So I'm wondering if the Providence guy had just been looking at random Marquette message boards and had found it. I'm curious, but, um, that being said, um, yeah. So we first knew something bad was coming. I didn't imagine it would be like this. Um, and then it started to slowly filter out that, you know, the the brothers Hauser were no longer going to be wearing the blue and gold, which is just, I, it's it's still kind of hard for me to digest right now. I mean, granted, um, I I'm right alongside paint touches in that I was a huge Sam Hauser stan. Um, he was definitely my favorite player every year that he was on Marquette's team. So it's uh personally it's hard. Obviously, you know, basketball fandom it's hard. But, um, you know, I'm going to do I'm going to do the thing and get it out of the way where, you know, best of luck to the Housers. Obviously, if this wasn't the right situation for them, if, you know, if they they feel like they, they they have to do what's best for them. And if that's not in Marquette Blue and Gold, then, you know, so be that I'm not one to get mad at kids for looking out for themselves. So, um, yeah. And I think to, but, to your point there, like um, it, for me, it's just trying to assign any blame to them in this situation is really hard Um, yeah because for them to make this decision joey is potentially like shortening his collegiate career Um, yeah by at least a year because he he doesn't unless he gets a hardship waiver get a medical redshirt and you know i could envision in my head where given how weird his initial redshirt is since it was still kind of his senior year of high school. Um, I could envision a way that he, um, gets that. Yeah. Um, I could see him getting that the extra year. He won't be immediately eligible, right. but, but I think that's the biggest could, thing is like yeah. both of them, like having such good seasons last year. Um, and you know, you can say what you want about Joey's defense. Um, at times, but he's a freshman and he had a really solid freshman season, all things considered. And obviously Sam, yeah, if that was his, fre- if that was his freshman right. season, I mean, you were, you were, you were over the moon about his potential going another year. Or two. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and so uh, if given how well they played and for both of them to say, you know what, we're going to take a year off from 
competitive exposure basketball. I mean, that's wild. Um, and it probably speaks to just how bad the situation was. Um, you know, I've heard a number of theories and a number of inside accounts to varying degrees of closeness um, about what happened. Um, for me, based on everything I've read and been told and heard, um, the situation pretty clearly um, centers around uh, the last two months of Marquette's season um, where things really tapered off um, and the way that the coaching staff, especially the head coach, interacted with the Housers somewhat vis-a-vis Marcus Howard. Um, as I think it's um, it's a bit harsh to speculate. And like to be quite honest, um, you can hear a lot of different things. You can hear a lot of uh, you know varying accounts, people who claim to be close to people, yeah. people who you know are close to people. I, I think that it's, without trying to head off your, your train of thought here, I think it's a lot better to discuss what, Without trying to imply anything, it's it's I guess it's what I'm trying to get at with this. Yeah. Like, without I like I don't want to sit here and just complain about people all day. Oh um, no, I'm just saying like the side of the story that I think mostly comes from the Hauser side um, is that they were disappointed with the way the that uh, Wojo um, managed the situation. And I think that that's what I've been told is the most, you know, relevant explanation for why they made the choice they made. Um, You know, whether that's true. I I don't, I don't think that, I don't think the, there's ever going to be sort of a a clarity on the situation because that's just kind of how these things work. Um, and I think the Housers will move on and succeed elsewhere. So I don't think they will have any interest in sort of discussing this once the dust settles. Um, but but I think even if you didn't, even if I hadn't been you know told things and and heard things, um, I think that that's a pretty reasonable conclusion. Um, just because again, they had to make. Um, a decision based upon the fact that they were going to have to sacrifice a year of their athletic primes. Um, like Sam Hauser is a borderline NBA prospect. I don't know if he'd get drafted. I don't think he'd get drafted, but I know that he could like, he won't get drafted after sitting down another year just to play a, a senior year of college basketball. Right. Well, like, the, like yeah. I'm, I'm thinking like right now, if Sam Hauser declared for the NBA draft, I think there's a chance he'd get drafted. I don't. I think it's small, um, but I think he could go play in the D League, and you know, bulk up and you know, end up being an NBA player down the road. Um, so just the 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 severity of the situation for him to leave given that 
and sacrifice another year of his clock is really and telling. It, yeah, I was gonna say that 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 screen that's indicative of something that is not healthy for a basketball program. Yeah, and I guess and, um, before I totally move off of the what I've heard conversation. I don't think it's really fair to pin any of this on Marcus. Um, and I think that Pain Touches, like you said, made a really good point about just how good Marcus has been for Marquette um, in all facets. Um, he's a really great ambassador of the university, not just the basketball program. Um, and he, you know, by all accounts, is a really wonderful human being. So, and my guess is if you really were to you know talk to talk to the housers especially maybe sam um he wouldn't have anything negative to say about marcus um especially marcus the human being um so for for the discussion to sort of veer and it has a little bit i don't think it has a ton from what i've seen but for the discussion to be, well, you know what I have seen a ton that it's kind of annoyed me is like the would you rather have the Hauser brothers or Marcus Howard, which is just sort of like an inhuman question to ask, which I don't really like. No. Wish people would be a little less black and white with that. Um, I get that on like a national discourse um, of like an internal, like an internal fan base's yeah, discussion is like, a lot less healthy than like, well, what's more valuable for like. Norlander or Goodman right exactly or, I think I saw Vicini yeah. tweeting about it and I'm like for Vicini it makes sense because like he's a basketball analyst these are the kind of questions he's paid to talk about on a regular yeah. basis or, or like any, any of the guys from ESPN or CBS Sports or anything who are like their job is to analyze basketball teams against each other and go right. well would Marquette have been better this coming year with the two Housers and Marcus Howard gone to the draft or Will Marcus Howard go full Carson Edwards type stuff? That's that's a different conversation than the fan base going, huh, who do we like more? Who do we want more? Which, it, you're right, it's just a completely unhealthy conversation for a fan base to have. Right, and especially because the fan base is having the conversation in the context of sort of implying that there's a feud between the two sides, which I don't think it's fair to imply, um, especially because, you know, both – Sam and Marcus seem like really great people. Um, I think it's more fair for a macro person, like you said, like a Goodman or um, Norlander to have that discussion because I don't think they are necessarily implying that there is an internal feud. I think that they are just sort of analyzing it as Marcus Howard came back on Friday, but the Housers left on Monday. Who would you rather have? Like, that's just kind of basic, like sports analysis 101 and well it's, it's 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 kind of like the same thing of like um i'm blanking on who they duke has a really good incoming point guard or was like in the running for uh a top point guard for next year mm-hmm. and then trey jones came back so sure. it's like who do you think would be better trey jones in his sophomore right. season or this uber talented point yeah, guard? yeah exactly that's like, the kind of discussion that, it is yeah that's the type of discussion they're having and marquette's like pitting sides against each other and families that have invested a lot of time yeah. and effort and love and blood and sweat and tears into this program yeah. and players that have done the same. And, um, you know, I always, I, think I always find that the, yeah. the best way 
to really talk about Marquette basketball as much as everyone wants you to sort of, you know, like rip somebody, give a hot take. It's like, if you can look at it from a humane and like personal perspective, I think that that's the best way to sort of talk about it intelligently. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that we end up doing that um, because I, I think that that's the best way that fans should look at this. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, do you have anything you want to volunteer right now? Because I've kind of been hogging this right for the last <laughs> bit here. Uh, I mean, I guess I just want to steer the conversation. Like, I, I don't know how much I really want to talk about, like, what does this mean for, like, internal problems at the program? I mean, you know, you can run yeah. down the list of transfers out that um, Steve Wojciechowski has seen. Um, you can run through all the shortcomings of the team um, in the last couple months and wonder – uh, you know, what happened there? Was that, how, how big of a factor was that uh, type of things? I'm not sure I find that very valuable. I mean, it's already been beaten to death all over the internet. Um, all the other podcasts have beat us to it, frankly. Um, unless you have a ton to of... To be clear, we were waiting. Yeah. We were waiting to see yeah. if anything else happened. We weren't lazy. We were waiting. <laughs> S- S- Sam was drinking whiskey and trying to deal with it, so yeah. there's that. I was, I was, um, I was busy. I promise. But um, I think that, like, the, the conversation I really want to have is that, like, regardless of how we feel about Coach Wojo, and I know we voice opinions to each other and to some other people we know, um, regardless of how we feel about him or the administration or the other coaching staff, we still have to look at next year. Um, yeah. So I want to – that's where I want to focus the discussion is that like, this is in the past. Now there's nothing we can do to change it. We can run around in circles of this. Oh God, what do we do now? Like, is, do we keep the coach? Whatever. I don't find that productive, especially because other people frankly beat us to it. Yeah. Um, well, so one thing I'll say is as much as probably the most interest, not interesting because it's not interesting, but the most discussed thing on college basketball Twitter is usually do we keep the coach? Like that's, that's the easy, easy college basketball conversation. And I just think like with Marquette, that conversation is not worth having. It's cause there's so much more going on than like, as dismayed as some people may have been um, when this news broke, there's never a reality that this news ends a coach's tenure. You can't, if you're managing such a productive, um, financially viable, um, massive entity like a Division one college basketball program. Unless like an all out mutiny ensues, which I think, which is kind of why we were waiting just to see if like in the off chance that that might happen. Um, But we didn't think so. I don't think. And you can't let, you know, one thing completely that you just, in in basic 
operations. You just like an admin, uh, a university can't operate like that. So having the, you know, wojo in, wojo out kind of conversation is so un- unproductive because it just doesn't really, uh, it doesn't really take into account all that would actually go into a decision like that. Yeah. And I mean, like you said at the, the, the top of the podcast, like, we're still gonna be pretty good. Yeah, the the, it, it, the question is it, how good. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, first and foremost, and it's you know we we've said it to each other about six thousand times via text message in the last forty eight hours. Yeah, or so. But dear God, I hate having this conversation. But grad transfers are just something we're going to have to look at. Yeah. Um, we're going to need a. Uh, similar player to Sam and Joey, uh, you know, a stretch four wing that can hit threes. Um, you know, I could see us adding maybe even two grad transfers. I could see another guard, maybe a, a smaller wing to play alongside Jamal Kane and Brandon Bailey and Sakar Annam. Um, you know, we're going to have to look at grad transfers. We now have three scholarship open, three scholarships open, not one. Not sure if Samir Torrance will reclassify and come early. I think it's actually um, my original thought process was that if Marcus came back, Samir wasn't going to. Um, yeah, I mean, there were no minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And now that two spots on the wing opened up, we could see a platoon of Marcus, Samir, Greg, and Kobe at guards and pushing Sakari Anum up to the three to play alongside Jamal, uh, Brendan. Um, I guess you'll have Dexter Acano in there as well, who could sort of play that combo guard spot. Um, yeah. You know, but Sakar, Jamal, Brendan sort of to play three and maybe four. Um, if Marquette can get a transfer or a grad transfer big man or get a a young, um, you know, get a get a, a freshman. I know that they were showing interest in a, a kid from Waukesha um, that's sort of come on late as a senior this year in high school. Um, if Ike Eke is healthy, maybe you could play Ed Morrow at the four um, with Theo and Ike and or incoming freshman or grad transfer big sort of at the five spot. Um, I think more than anything, you you need to target a, a stretch four right now. I, I think Wojo's offense is very predicated on a big man that can shoot or at least a bigger player that can shoot, a la Joey or Sam. Um to really create those awkward mismatches. Um, I think that that's going to be priority number one. There's probably not many of those left in the class of 2019. Um, no, and, and it's hard to find a, a grad transfer just in general to fit your need. As we saw this past season, even if you get what seems The guy that's like, supposed to be. <laughs> yeah, as, even if you get what seems like the perfect grad transfer, it doesn't always work out. Yeah. Too bad Trent Lockett doesn't still have eligibility. Hey, so you know who's a really interesting uh, player that uh, might be really potentially good at Marquette? Kerry Blackshear. <laughs> yeah, but uh, Kerry Blackshear is going to be coveted by everyone. Yeah, there's no chance Marquette gets Kerry Blackshear. Well, there's maybe a chance, I don't know. But no, the Marquette's not going to get Kerry Blackshear. But Kerry Blackshear would be sick because Kerry Blackshear is... is the nice thing is would, like yeah. a lot of the better programs in the country are in the ACC right now. So... At least Marquette doesn't have to compete with them for Kerry Blackshear. 
Yeah, um, that's a, well. I mean, there there was always the the Cameron Johnson situation where he went from Pitt to UNC, but that was a whole thing. Um, yeah, that I don't think Kerry Blackshear would go through. Um, anyway, uh, I, too bad we can't go get LJ Figueroa. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> We'll talk about St. John's at the yeah, end. Yeah, um, see, the most optimistic part of the podcast is certainly going to be St. John's talk. Yeah. Um, because St. I John's guess... is, is my favorite basketball team right now. <laughs> um, or, or, I mean, kind of a basketball team. They don't really have any players or a coach, but... They're allegedly a basketball program th- There's right something now. there. Um, I guess I'm just... I'm, so I'm rolling through the Paint Touches article they put up after the Housers transferred. Um, and it, it's listing not also just Also check out transfers. the Anonymous Eagle article um, that was posted after the Housers transferred. Yeah, do that too. Uh, they Well, Paint Touches does this every year. I think it's uh, it's Ryan Jackson from Paint Touches that does this every year. But um, he, he So he has this list of like the best transfers out there regardless of – I think this is just traditional transfers that I'm looking at. Um, granted, because it has Joey and Sam as the top two which isn't shocking at all. Um, I think that Marquette would be smart to target a traditional transfer with one of the three scholarships open. Um, you're going to need a grad transfer no matter what, unless you can find you know, another Greg Elliott, Diamond in the Rough type of guy, or a couple Greg Elliott, or, Diamond I mean, in the Rough type Samir of guys. Or Samir Torrance. Samir Torrance, yeah. I think, is the only... Well, or, or um, I, I wanted to make this point because it was so hilarious to me. Um... Mark Miller, who is a great source for Wisconsin basketball chatter, um, posted this unintentionally hilarious tweet. Um, Marquette is the latest NCAA Division One program. This was on. That was the walk. Is this the Waukesha kid? Yes. Is it, it was, yes. Yeah. It, yeah. So this, I think this guy would be great to pick up. What's his name? Uh, David Skogman. He's six ten. Yeah, and he's like yeah six ten. That and that's why I thought that'd be a good idea to like target somebody like him. Yeah. Um, where you play him behind Theo, and then you have Ed drop down to the four. Correct. Um, I just thought they're... it was funny because he like looks like a Hauser basically. <laughs> it was Jeez. just like, and it was the day after the Hausers left, and it was well, just so like, yeah. Marquette is targeting this um, senior in high school who's kind of a Hauser clone. Like, oh, I wonder why. Yeah, um, so he, I think he'd be a good addition um, just to shore up some depth. Um, you know, we're not going to win going nine guy, or eight guys deep next year, um, at least early. Um, but I think he'd be a good target. I mean, like, you still have two scholarships, one of them being Samir, and then you go get a grad transfer. Or if Samir decides to stay in high school another year and you have that third scholarship, I think that targeting somebody like, like a Jordan Brown – um, coming out of Nevada, um, you could go get uh, DJ Harvey from Notre Dame. Um, go get, I guess, Jalen Fisher from TCU probably isn't the answer. Um, you know, go get one of these traditional transfers that's going to sit but then have a big impact going forward. Especially, I really like Jordan Brown. Um, but uh, that being said... Um, I still think that two of those scholarships will be filled going into next year. I would be completely and utterly shocked if Marquette did not get a grad transfer. Um, but it's just how those other 
one to two scholarships get filled that I'm sort of speculating. Um, I think there was a there was a bunch of good talk on some other podcasts about how we're going to be one of the good things about next year is that we keep a bunch of the athleticism. It's just going to dictate a complete change in style with how we play, especially on offense. Yeah. But um, I don't think there's it, really any upside to losing the Hauser brothers. There's no upside, but there's certainly certainly ways to minimize the downside. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly more um, defensive flexibility at those positions now. Um, you know, Joey Hauser was for a lot of times getting stuck on the bench. Um, neither, neither of them were see Sam unbelievable. Sam wasn't neither really a good lateral defender, but he was a really good, um, instinct post defender. Yeah. Instinctive you, you, defender, post defender. And then also like really good at getting in passing lanes. Yes. Um, so I would, I would overall say Sam was a slightly plus defender all things considered you didn't the only thing is you didn't want him isoed on um any sort of quick yeah guard. You, you didn't yeah you didn't want a ball handler that could dice him up basically joey yeah. had a decent shot blocking instinct um well he, he actually he only blocked like three shots all year but he the big thing about joey is that he's just so lanky and creates problems even if he's not um really actually blocking shots he's modifying shots in an incredible uh way that it's still very valuable um i think sam was the better of the two um and well jo- but joey, joey probably had the potential yeah. to be the better of the two just because of his size yeah i mean you could say no if you don't agree i don't i i think sam was the better defender when we when we lost them Joey would have probably been better after more time. Um, oh, I was just saying but, overall. Uh, I think Joey had better potential just um, as big. a defender. Yeah, he's just bigger, um, lankier. Um, you know, really good natural I, shooting instinct. Obviously, Sam's a fantastic shooter, but um, yeah, yeah, uh, you know. <laughs> I, just, I heard you typing <laughs> and uh, i'm just refreshing twitter and i just saw that andy tagged the wrong <laughs> your wrong twitter account that's funny anyway uh so uh yeah i we're going to have to go out and find a grad transfer defender slash stretch big man you know as many of them that are out there you know yeah i roll you gotta find one um it's hard to say, like, after this past year, I'm kind of out on um, going super hard at grad transfer speculation. Yeah. Um, because it's just like, again, like, even if it looks like on paper the perfect thing, you never know how it's going to play out. And, I mean, you kind of, it's not, I'm not really putting that all on Joseph Chartuni. Um, like you look at Joe Cremo at Villanova, like that one, that was somebody we wanted too. And that, yeah, those are the, the two potentially best grad transfers right, out and there. That didn't, I mean, if, if Chartuni struggled, like Joe Cremo would have been a 
ludicrous fit in Marquette, Marquette, Marquette's system because he, I, yeah. So it's really hard to, it's really hard to say what you can do, but you know, I think a lot of the focus for where this team does get better now. Obviously, I don't think they'll be. They're not as good as they were supposed to be four days ago, but a lot of where they improve now is having guys take step for, steps forward and having improved backcourt depth. Um, so, like, Brendan Bailey polishes off his offensive game. Theo John um, takes another similar leap that he did this year and you know, controls his game a little bit more to where he can stick on the court and or refs give him more respect because he's a junior and not a sophomore anymore. Um, Sakar Annam keeps developing his jump shot and um, works out maybe some of the kinks in his handle. Um, Kobe McEwen is obviously, a, it, he's not an unknown, but we haven't seen him play at Marquette. Um, we have sort of his reputation as, um, kind of a bigger Marcus. Um, um, he, w- he's not the prolific shooter, right, but he's, but he's more of a, style he's, a he's a score. Uh, he's a scorer. He's a yeah. slasher. Um, basically he's good at scoring at all three levels. Um, he was a mid 30% three point shooter, um, has a good, uh, jump shot, um, within the arc and then can find his way to the rim and finish. Yeah. So, um, he's, he's kind of the mix between Marcus and Sakar. I think is probably a good way of classifying it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, more of a, I think he's more like, he's going to have to be a ball handler because Marcus just proved this year, this past year that him as a primary ball handler works, but it's certainly not optimal. Um, so Kobe's going to have to be a primary ball handler just because it dictates that he will be. Um, but I, I'm, a, I'm very excited for that, that back court tandem. Um, I think they, they play well off of each other. And then I think it does. Um, one of the things that I, I didn't particularly care for as much, or maybe just like in hindsight, now that the Housers are both leaving, I kind of noticed is that, lanes never really opened up as much because they were always on the perimeter um, or at least operating high in the key or um, sort of in that, that short corner area instead of, you know, truly making a ton of space open up inside the arc. I think it'd be very interesting this year, um, especially with another slasher guard next to him to see what Sakar does to benefit from that, whether it is finding more corner threes or, whether Kobe cutting to the basket with more authority opens up lanes for Sakar to go, whereas those lanes wouldn't have been open had it been Marcus cutting to the basket with a Hauser sitting in the corner waiting for a three. Um, yeah. I think it opens a, a, a lot of different ideas um, for uh, the offense, and you're still going to see a lot of threes from Marquette, but I think that it will be a little bit even less so than last year, a little bit less reliant on the three. Um, yeah. So that's, I, I mean, I think, and if you look at the top eight guys on this roster now, is it eight? I'm trying to think it's, yeah, it's eight. It's eight. Yeah. So well, it'll be, it'll be nine with, with Dexter, I, with Dexter. I think. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, if you look at that group, there's a lot to like there still. I think I think the biggest sort of shell shock of it all is still just like taking out those two foundational pieces, especially Joey, who is supposed to sort of be the star of this team in two years. Um, what do you have? It, it, it's just kind of the shock of it all. But if it, if you kind of let it wash over you, um, I think that there's still a version of a pretty good basketball team here. And if there were such really, you know, massive issues, I guess there's, and uh, I hate saying this, there's a way to envision this team as one that works together better. I don't know. I, cause if there if there were relationship issues between any of the players and the coaching staff or any of the players and each other, um, you know, while I'm sure there, there's not a bad human being in the Marquette program, um, yeah. or that have recently left the left the Marquette program, they're they're all upstanding uh, dudes. Um, but yeah, maybe you are right that um, these guys have, you know, if there was friction between the players that have left. And the coaching staff, maybe these guys have more fully bought in. I yeah. don't like speculating on that. It's a spin. I, I, I it's a spin, yeah. is what it is. I mean, I'm trying to. I'm trying to find a way to yeah. optimistically look at it. I think I know what you mean, though. Where it's like maybe maybe these players that are that are still here have like see the deficit that's going to occur because of these two guys leaving and go. Well, we have to buy in even harder, or you know, maybe it is that encouragement yeah. of there's my playing time now that maybe I wouldn't have had as much of this year. I mean, there's definitely um, opportunity. Like a guy like Jamal Kane, I don't know how he was going to play yeah. on this team. Yeah. And now you see exactly how he's going to fit in. Yeah. And like, okay, like, am I as sure about Jamal Kane as literally anyone else in the rotation? No, but like there's path for Jamal Kane now. Um, there, well, there's the path for Jamal Kane to like, the Hausers proved pretty quick last year that they were going to be starters. Um, they were going to be starters. Just th- I mean, this team was going to have, like, seven starters. Yeah, exactly. And now um, we've got what, a good we got a good set, you know? Well, and then I think more so than anything is that, like, we saw this happen with Theo last year where we weren't quite sure how the Theo-Ed tandem was going to work. And, in fact, I predicted um, Ed playing a lot more minutes than Theo, but Theo earned his way into the starting lineup because it was always apparently going to be Ed and Theo splitting time there, and Theo just was the the better player. Or maybe that's a different... There's a different way to phrase that, but Theo is the one that earned a starting spot, whereas, like, Jamal had to compete last year with Sakar... Or Kobe... Sakar, Brendan, and both Hausers, really. I know Sakar played the two, but you had both Hausers that were going to play majority of the minutes. Then you had Brendan and Jamal playing basically the same spot at the three and the four. You know, and you looked at it, you went, somebody's going to just play their way over him in the rotation, or somebody's going to play their way over somebody else in the rotation, right? And now that that all that playing time is opened up. It gives somebody like a Brendan or a Jamal a chance to really solidify themselves as, Hey, I am a guy for this program that is going to now be a building block. And maybe that's a good thing. You know, it might draw out a lot of great things from Brendan, Jamal or both. 
All right. I think we I think we I think we've done it. Can we can we talk about St. John's now? I need a little I need a little uh, I mean just like I said, uh, I I want to wrap ahead. it up really quick. Again, um, you know, the Hausers, the, the the Hauser family bought in really hard to the Marquette program. The Hausers um, gave a lot to this program. I'm very 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 distraught to see them leave, but um I, I I wish them the best. Um, I don't. I doubt they'll listen to any of the podcasts talking about this because they know it's probably coming. But um, if I were them, I think that would probably be good for their yeah. sanity to not do that. Yeah, but um, you know, for anybody that's even tangentially related to them that might pay attention to this, you know, we're gonna miss them a lot. Um, I wish them the best. I really will be honest and say that I hope they don't end up end up in Badger red and white. Um, because I want to keep rooting for them um after this yeah it's gonna be a really difficult emotional situation for me yeah um but you know if they you know they've been linked to michigan state and virginia if they end up at either place i will continue to cheer for them and you know wish them the the success or all the success in the world um that being said now that all the, the platitudes and the 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 sad moments are gone let's 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 uh Look at the, the rest of the Schadenfreude out there in the college basketball world, and primarily at St. John's. Yeah, I mean, there is some serious fun to be had with St. John's right now. Um, so just to, I guess, overall look at what St. John's is up to. Um, so their best player in the history of their program, um, they basically forced him out. Um and as head as head coach, mind you. Yes. Um. Yeah. Correct. Excuse me. I should be very. I should be very clear. Um. Yes. They basically forced him out as head coach. Um. And they were going to get Bobby Hurley. Um. Their athletic director. Uh. Is a uh. Duke guy. Um. Yep. And Coach K disciple. Yep. Uh, worked within the Duke program uh, while Bobby Hurley was a player. Um, and they were going to get Bobby Hurley. And then St. John's allegedly lowballed him. Um, and Bobby Hurley, I don't know if I suppose this needs to be said, is the head coach at Arizona State University, which isn't exactly the worst place to live. Um, I've, I've, I've spent a summer in Phoenix and I liked it. So imagine the other nine months of the year where they actually the good months. Um, but yeah. Uh, and now it's like, it's like St. John, St. John's, it, their coaching search is UCLA's coaching search. If but UCLA yes. had no redeeming qualities. Their, their, their look is their, their, her look their coaching search is ucla's coaching search if they like rips 10 shots before they started calling people right like it's bad it's uh, like i mean it's crazy and like ucla at least was operating on the level where like john calipari is turning them down or like like rick barnes whatever you want to say about rick barnes he at least is the head coach at tennessee so for him to say, like, uh, actually, no, is like, okay, like UCLA is a traditionally a better basketball program, but the SEC is really good right now. There's a ton of resources. You can kind of talk yourself into it. 
St. John's is out here getting like publicly rejected by mid-major coaches. Ryan Odom of UMBC yes. turned down St. John's. Yes. Like that that's they, the latest one. I mean, yeah. but the Porter Mosier one was like after like an extensive um flew him to New York, went through the entire process and, and he, he was just like, ah, I'm going to stay in Loyola Chicago, which like Loyola Chicago, great school. Chicago depending on your opinion, a great place to live. Um it's still Loyola freaking Chicago that that's a basketball program that no one had heard of unless you were a fan of basketball in like the fifties or like until two years Sister ago. Jean. Yeah. So like it's very it's so funny because their fan base, um, based on limited interactions it is just so they're like knicks fans of college basketball they're just like so just lost in their own they're okay like i'm a i'm gonna hot take this really quick they're kind of like the marquette fan base but can somehow be even worse because there are portions of the marquette fan base that can be pretty miserable about things at times because some Parts are still very much invested in the fact that, I mean, like, we love to hang our hats on 1977, and we deserve to, because it's hard to win a national title, um, but, you know, it was 1977, there's been great successes since then, um, but some people treat that way too highly, and that's what St. John's does to an extreme, even more so than some of the worst parts of the Marquette fan base, um, and so they, they constantly expect St. John's to be a superpower in college basketball. And that just hadn't been it. <laughs> well, so I think my favorite thing about it right now is how there's this, like, kind of, um, I guess I would say groundswell that's still sort of not reached mainstream um, to bring Rick Pitino to St. John's. Which I think personally would be perfect. Be the, be the most hilarious thing in college basketball. Like, like me holding the uh, "Love Actually" sign outside the door. Like to me, you're perfect. Like Rick, Tino, and St. John's. Please, you, you, you two need each other um, because that would just be chaos, and it would be incredible. Um, and like Rick Pitino, no one is more desperate for a collegiate head coaching job right now than Rick Pitino. And, oh, it would be so beautiful. I would just be well, so I mean, happy. Like, and actually just, St. John's, it actually might help St. John's. St. John's might actually be good because Pitino, like for everything about him is like, pretty good basketball coach and could probably figure some things out pretty quickly for them. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, and who wouldn't, I guess this is a bad question, but like Rick Pitino could probably recruit New York pretty well. Yeah. Or the surrounding area pretty well. I just think it's funny that like one of the other names that got tossed out there was, um, was Frank Haith from Tulsa. Um, 
And you're like, hasn't he committed NCAA violations too? You might as well go get Patino, who's clearly the better coach, if you're going to look for a guy like that. Um, I know that uh, was, uh, Boynton from Oklahoma State um, is in the mix. I that Oklahoma State hasn't done anything of note under him, as far as I'm aware, although it hasn't been that long since he's taken over. When you get to Frank uh, Haith in your coaching search, you're in trouble. Yeah, it's a, well, it's like UCLA started with, like, can we buy out Calipari and ended up getting Crick Monin. Yeah, like, and, like, whatever you think about Crick Monin, he was a fairly successful head coach at a um, prominent semi-mid-major program over the course of a long time and has a track record of, like, you know, actual success. He gets results. He gets yeah, results. Like, I mean, he doesn't have a tournament resume that you'd really want to talk about, but he's a great regular season coach that produces pretty consistently good programs. Yeah. Um, he produces wins and gets a lot out of players, which is, I mean, you know, maybe he can turn that into better success at a place like UCLA. Who knows? But, like, they started at... Bobby Hurley from ASU. There was talk of Tim Cluis from Iona they for a while. Honestly, hire that guy. Why? Well, it's like, Why not? But like, there, there's been rumblings that it's like they didn't want to pay his buyout at Iona. Iona how big the freaking bar? Oh. That, yeah, yeah. Tr- trust me, that's what I, my thought process was too. And it's like, at one point, um. I think it was Zagorio was tweeting about it. And I'm like, I think somebody's made the really bad joke. And I think I said this in the last podcast we did where it's like, you'd be clueless not to hire clueless. And then you're actually sitting there like, wait, maybe St. John's is clueless. Yeah. Because that is like the most slam dunk hire they could make. He recruits New York. He would so benefit from being in the Big East. He, I think he's an alumni of St. John's. Don't quote me on that. Uh, if he's um, an alumni, if I Google this right now and he's an alumni of St. John's, I might scream. Oh my God! He played at he he played at St. John's and like played a year at Hofstra. Uh, so which yeah. is just, so he played at St. John's. I mean, I and somehow he's not. I will not scream because technically he's not an alumni. Yeah, but just there, there's been so many obvious hires and so many hires and like to top it all off, freaking Chef's Kiss. Uh, one of the big benefactors. Um, yeah, I think it's, this was incredible. Uh, he's this a, was he's oh the guy God. that owns Body Armor, basically. Yeah, the, and he used and he invented vitamin water too. Um, he's a he's a very wealthy man, is what we're saying. Yeah, uh, so it's Mike uh, Ripoli, Repoli, Ripoli, um, who's a St. John's alumni. You know, involved in like he's a multimillionaire, super involved in. Um, the, the Founders Club there, stuff like that. Went on to Mike Francesca's radio show it's in Francesa. New York City today and just absolutely crapped all over everybody at St. John's. Yeah, it's like, it was apparent, It was incredible. They could have had Danny Hurley, um, who ended up at Rhode Island and is now at UConn, um, but they chose Chris Mullen instead. And he was like, yeah, I talked with Chris and said, like, don't take this. I like you too much. Like, you don't deserve to not be supported by – the administration. He called for a firing of the president, the general counsel, co- called the board of trustees spineless and weak, said they weren't giving any support to uh, the AD, who's the Duke guy. You know, like, just like a complete and utter decimation of the program from top to bottom by him and Francesca over 
the course of about 20 minutes on the radio. It's a trip to listen to. I recommend going to yeah. find it. And um, it's Mike like, Mike Francesa is absolutely terrible. Oh, is it Francesa? Yeah. I don't know. I'm trying care. to work that in. It's okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm a bit of like a sports media nut, so I... He's a bad person and a bad commentator, so I don't care. He, and he's like, so... Yeah, I mean, he's a he's an absolute legend of radio, but he's gone c- completely senile the last few years and is just off his rocker like crazy. And it was it was hilarious because it's one of the only times where you like hear something that Francesa does where he's not the most out there dude in the interview because this body armor guy was going nuts. But it was hilarious. It was like, and it kind of came from a place of of that was genuine too because he's just trying to like advocate for. Um, well, yeah, because he's a he's man. a St. John's alumni too. Yeah, and he, he's a huge booster. I mean, it basically sounds like he like paid for them to have locker rooms upgraded like the second that he talked to the the new AD about it. Um, but it just sounds like it's there's complete chaos and dysfunction. And also, they had like a six man rotation last year, and also most of those players are gone. So yeah, it's I don't know. St. John's is again just such a mess and as much as i kind of am depressed about the current market situation a little bit it could be worse so much worse and st john's is just doing a great job of painting that picture yeah marquette marquette went from a final four caliber team um with all the expectations in the world to a good team that should be fringe top 25 fringe top 20 all year um, with a, a returning All-American point guard. Like, we could have had it so much worse than, oh my god, we don't have a head coach. Nobody wants to be our head coach. We don't want to buy any decent head coach out for some reason. Our best player is going to the draft and staying. Everybody else is going to the draft or transferring. Like, even Mustafa Heron's contemplating it. Like, you have one of their players, uh, so Sadie Kita. Um, last night was publicly calling on Twitter for the hiring of Patino. Like, and he's one of like the four guys that saw any minutes period from last year coming back. And the only, like it'll, it would be him and Heron that actually were legitimate rotation pieces coming back. And then be nobody that saw any significant time whatsoever. They have had every recruit that they got, whether it be Juco commits or high school seniors going to be freshmen decommit, like, I might be able to play at St. John's next year <laughs> and they still don't have a head coach. Like I, I St. John's, my buyout from my company is a lot cheaper. Like if you need a head coach, I'll do it. Yeah. Move me to New York. Oh God. I'm so sad. Hire Sam. Yeah, please. Can I get a Sam Newberry to St. John's going on the timeline, please. But, um, just unbelievable that so much shouting for like, like considering where Marquette is, I can still get enjoyment in the suffering of others because dear God, thankfully we are not St. John's right now. And I can't imagine being a St. John's fan. Like the sky is truly and utterly falling there. Like Marquette has like a crack in the dome over the, the Marquette nation, you know, but St. John's is well and truly screwed right now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, not everything's perfect, but not everything is St. John's. Um, Just, I feel like there was besides St. John's something else I wanted to talk about college basketball wise, but I forget what it was. Was there um, some other shot in Freud going on? 
I mean, we can always laugh at UCLA, but I mean, it's not really worth it. Yeah. Um, uh, I know Se- Seton Hall picked up a pretty good transfer who's going to have to oh, sit one. I know what it was. Uh, uh, it was uh, Buzz Williams already lost his athletic director. <laughs> it's like, oh, this guy has traditional issues with an athletic director. It's all right. This guy that brought him in probably has a pretty good working relationship with him. And he's gone in three weeks. It's so great. To a conference rival. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, it's his it's his alma mater, so it makes sense. Yeah. But like, but yeah, still, yeah. I mean, it's so, it's like my advice to whoever is running that Texas A and M athletic director search is make sure Buzz is consulted. Really, really do that for your sanity. Yeah, I I guess you know we'll. Oh, bitch. It's just, I'm overwhelmed with everything else right now. And I, like, I completely didn't even think about the Buzz Williams thing, Buzz Williams thing until you brought it up just now. Yeah. I just, I just found it hilarious because it's just like, the dude is just like the athletic director tension uh, stereotype coach. And it's just, he can't. I don't know if it's that he can't catch a break because I think he ends up creating a lot of it, of it, but like it's just so funny that he has to deal with the situation again. It's he he can't dodge athletic director issues. No, no, he can't. I, It'll be really fun. I like maybe this makes me a bad person. It'll be really funny if he stumbles really hard in like the first two years there, just because. He Buzz Williams his way immediately out of Virginia Tech, where he's just completely yeah. like, "Oh, it took you guys to Sweet Sixteen, like dust his hands off." Well, Bye. I kind of wonder if he'll ever get settled anywhere, because if th- if there's any job, this is it. Yeah, like, I mean, I mean, I guess like you look at it, maybe like Texas can pay him more, so maybe he'd go to Texas eventually, but. I don't know if that's the case, and it's like I don't think he's ever going to get one of the big prestige jobs. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I wonder if he's just going to be one of those coaches that's just going to, um, you know, spend like four or five years at, at a place um, and then like take a semi-lateral move to, you know, add another um, – you know, up the digit in front of your salary and just keep kind of like doing that. Cause honestly, like, you know, no complaints about that. As long as you're okay with like not being like the revered, um, you know, college town legend guy that a lot of these coaches that stick and, you know, establish a long-term reputation are, it's not a, it's not a bad way to make it happen. And it's, you know, once you kind of normalize it, it's not like a, you're not like ruining kids' careers or anything by doing it. I, I just think like, yeah, it's just it's just hilarious comedically that he takes this other job and already the athletic director leaves. And obviously that probably has nothing to do with him. It sounds like it's completely due to that's his alma mater and they have had chaos and they're in need of an athletic director. But it's still just the the irony of it is so great. 
Yeah, I suppose that's there. Sorry, I, I took a quick peek at Twitter, and Blake Griffin um, has gotten a se- another technical from the bench in this series. What? Because he's, yeah, in the Bucks piston series. It's hilarious. Moving on. He's um, getting bench technicals? I guess weird tangential to what we were just, or what we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast. Uh, Mamadi Diakite from Virginia just declared for the draft. Well, we'll enter the draft. It, it doesn't look like he's, like, definitely sticking in it. Um, he was their their big. Man I think their for, entire starting lineup has done that now, besides Key. Which, yeah, which makes sense. But I mean, that's a potential landing spot for the Housers, so that's another. Yeah, I mean that's that's another. That's where I want to want to see the Housers. I don't think. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't think I made it um, very hard to uh, determine how into Virginia's team I was this year, <laughs> and I was very very excited that they won the national championship. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I think I might, uh, I wouldn't mind, uh, seeing the Housers in the Bennett system because it's at least would be very, uh, aesthetic to watch for sure. Yeah. And I mean, if you can get uh, maximum defensive effort, um, out of those two, then that's, that's just another incredible team waiting to happen. But, um, that's just another scholarship that might potentially be open for the Housers to take, uh, when they're looking to transfer, but um, I guess that's all I got for now. Yeah, me too. I think just to wrap we it up. We kind of went everywhere here. but Yeah. Well, we said we were going to go everywhere, so at least we didn't, uh, like, uh, mysteriously or uh, – there was no false advertising here. We said at the top that we were going to go everywhere. Yeah. Um, but uh, I suppose. And we did. Um, so I guess the last thing I'll say is keep the faith, Marquette fans. Yeah, I mean – it feels, it, it's 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 rough, and there's no way you can look at this team next year and go, we were better without the Housers, because that's just patently not true. But, um, you know, we're still going to be pretty good. Um, you want college kids to do the right thing for them, and I wouldn't want to force kids to stick around if they don't want to be here. So mm-hmm. um, I'm happy that they're going to go find a good situation for them. I hope they do end up somewhere that is not Madison, Wisconsin. Um just selfishly, because uh, I don't want to have to root against them ever. Um, and, you know, if all else fails, at least we aren't St. John's. Absolutely. All right, we'll see you guys next time. Yep.